people have said to me now, you know, because of your videos, people actually who once bullied me are now saying that my, my passion is cool. And that, that's really powerful for me. Electronic music gets me going the same way that a train does. It doesn't feel like fame, really. It's kind of, it feels like a bit of a glitch in the matrix, you know? This is Show on the Road, brought to you by Autotrader. We're driving famous faces on a personalised road trip, visiting the places that help shape them and hearing how the locations turn them into who they are today. We've matched each celebrity with a car chosen specifically for them. So, join me, Alex Legui, as we get this show on the road. Today's journey takes me through Nottingham, which was the university town of TikTok sensation Francis Bourgeois. In 2021, Francis took social media by storm with his very charming and carefree train spotting videos. But today we are swapping a few hundred wheels for just four. We're in the BMW Alpina B4, which is a very distinctive looking car that oozes luxury. It does 0 to 62 in 3.7 seconds, so it's a pretty cool match for Francis, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he thinks about it. <laughs> okay, so I am driving round to see Francis, and he's actually got his back to us because uh, being such a passionate car guru, as well as train spotter, he wants to work out what car it is just from the engine. So that's quite a nice test. Let's see if he can do it. Woo! Woo <laughs> I think I know. I think I know. Is it a M4? Oh, very close. M3? Very close. Is it an Alpina? Yes! Woo! <laughs> it's an Alpina. Which Alpina? Is it an Alpina B4? Yes! He's only I... gone and done it. This is wicked. <laughs> so was it a good match? Fantastic match. Good. I'm, I'm a big Alpina fan. Yeah. But yeah, like for lots of people who know my stuff, they know that I like the sounds of trains and the sounds of the railway. It, in a similar way, I love the sounds of cars. Yeah. And um, it taps into the same sort of yeah. uh, joy that I get with the railway, to be honest. Amazing. I'm just going to set my seat, if that's all right. Make yourself comfortable, sir. It's all very, right. Very comfy. Let the games begin. We're on our way to where? Ilkeston Station. Right. Why, why are we going there? The area of Ilkeston was an area when I was at uni in Nottingham, I sort of frequented a lot because there's a lot of railway activity and it's near the site of the old Stanton Ironworks that... I used to visit with my friend because it had, had an interesting rail link. And I've checked the, the schedule for the, the railway um, and I've seen that there's a... Oh, that sounds brilliant, doesn't it? <laughs> when did this passion start? I was really young, to be honest. I was absorbing my environment and sort of knew in myself that what I loved was trains just from moment my memories were forming. What was little Francis like? Bubbly, running around, doing normal toddler stuff, but also wanting to look at trains and wanting to buy Hot Wheels cars, wanting to look at exhaust pipes, wanting to, when I was tall enough, 
look over the door into the window to look at the speedometer and see how fast the car could go. I imagine, though, that not all your friends were quite on the same wavelength. No, not really. How was that? Okay, to be honest. When I was young, young, I was just happy being in my own world with my trains and my cars and my, you know, essentially early days sort of engineering interests. When, when I sort of came through to sort of secondary school and stuff, that's when I, um, I didn't really feel like I had a place to express my passion, especially for the railway, in my friendship groups and in school in general. That happily changed going to uni because I found, because I, I, was, you know, I was studying engineering and there were people who, um, there were people who liked trains. I was like, wow. I met a friend called Luke we went to places like you know, Stanton Ironworks, Ilkeston, you know, Benerley Viaducts, you know, where we're going now, Toton, Attenborough Nature Reserve. And we'd be talking about trains and lectures, and we'd say, oh, should we go to Toton Yard? Oh, yeah. Start talking about the DB Class 60s that are all lined up. And then one lecture, um, <laughs> someone that was sitting in front of us turned around and said, do you like trains? And we're like, yeah. He's like, oh, sweet. I heard you talking about Toton. Yeah, it's pretty insane what they've got going on in Tilton. And there you go, just found another train nut. That's uh, really uh, nice. It's lovely. I think we're going to be seeing a very rare Class 50 huh. that, should, that should be coming through. So what's going on for you right now as we come close to seeing... The 0050. 50 0050. Okay, so that's the that is the name of the train. Uh, it has a name. It, has, it does actually have a name. I think it's called Furious. Oh, okay. Which is a bloody brilliant name for yeah. it because it sounds furious when it goes what by. What does it sound like? Can you do the noise for me? So Sorry. it has more of a... <laughs> instead of a... <laughs> it's more of a... <laughs> it has like, uh, like more of an odd kind of uh, firing order. So, yeah, this is passenger pick-up and drop-off point. Could be a good place to plonk uh, uh, this Alpina. Okay, pop in here then. What other bits of lingo do I need to know? Thrash. Thrash! When when the diesel engine's, like, giving it the full beans Uh and the driver's just going like that with the accelerator, the handle being pulled all the way to full power, the engine will, like basically fire into life and then when you hear it go by and it's going <laughs> that's thrash <laughs> what should i say is there something specific that we need to say so when if, it comes past if it if something is overwhelmingly brilliant then i usually shout hellfire hellfire but it has to be said with a huge amount of conviction okay so like hellfire okay i can do this if it's coasting so it's, if it's not thrashing i won't say hellfire even if it is thrashing, I might not say it because I only say it when it's really required. <laughs> so currently it's at Beeston South Junction, which is where I used to live when I was in Nottingham. Um, where do we need to stand then? For so, so I'd suggest we go Fonzies. a bit further down. So because um, I was going to say, when are you going to put your head cam on? This is when I get, like, a bit nervous. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, yeah, it's the 50. Can you see it? Yeah, be careful. Yes! Be behind the yellow line. It is the 50, luckily. And you should start to hear it soon. Go on, please thrash. It's quite fast. Yeah, yeah, I think it's on. 
Thank you. Hellfire. That wasn't quite, that wasn't wasn't quite, quite hellfire. hellfire. Oh, okay. See. Oh, I can, it smells good. Yeah. I've broken my train spotting virginity. Yeah, you have. <laughs> it was a real demonstration, I think, of what it's like to be a railway enthusiast. Yeah. In terms of the, the feelings. Your foray into the the sort of crazy world of social media can't have been well. It must have been quite a dynamic change. Yeah, um, I, I pretty much just didn't have a clue what was going on. I was just creating. I, I wanted like a. I, I wanted like this kind of creative outlet, um, and made that for myself, and just kind of continued focusing on my degree whilst going out seeing trains and then just happily editing it together and showing people and you know it was like a it was a real sort of snowball effect and there were points where I was like my kind of learned school kind of inhibitions when it came to my passion almost kind of wanted to kick back in again I was like you know you're showing 20,000 people that you like trains are you sure but I think after seeing that, oh my word. <laughs> so currently we've slowed right down to a stop because there is a mobility scooter, well, being driven, obviously. On the road. On the road with an enormous lorry behind it and a trail of traffic. So you just said there about, you know, that sort of realisation that there were sort of 20,000 people that had looked at your video I guess there was a turning point then when you realised that it was not just a bedroom video yeah. sort of fun situation for you and your your mates or it was your brother wasn't it yeah, initially yeah. that was involved mm. well it kind of remained that way up until about 250,000 followers right because it didn't feel real it was kind of like I was you know I was playing a game and I was kind of randomly accumulating all of these um followers right hang on take me back it started off as you and your brother mm -hmm. what sparked the idea of picking up a camera and doing it that way so essentially it was lockdown i was with my brother well, I, I got a, a camcorder when i was younger and we made videos and this kind of creative relationship has always existed like i've always played with ben and always created with ben so when it came to lockdown we were together again and we basically had time on our hands and a freaky new kind of environment where nothing was going on but a whole load was going on around the world and everyone had to adapt to change. And fortunately, we were in a place in the countryside where when we had our one-hour walk, I could go to the railway bridge and wave at the freight trains. Like It became a ritual and, I'd, and I had this little... I had this Instagram account called Screaming Valenta. Right. Which is named after my favourite railway-orientated engine. And I was doing an update each day, and I was doing, like, um, a, a tally of passenger train drivers versus freight train drivers, which are most likely to, to give a tone. And I loved it, and I realised I was truly, like, reconnecting with my passion for the railway that had kind of laid dormant. And laid dormant because you felt like you had to? Yeah, it. yeah d during school, certainly. But when it came to university, I had that year and a half when it was like a proper transitory period where 
I went from keeping things in to really letting them out. So How then, did it manifest when you were at school, keeping it in? Because that's quite a difficult thing to contain. Well, essentially, just I didn't talk to people about trains and I just kind of conformed to just how people were in school in general and I think that's the case for so many people that go to school everywhere it's just a form of social survival but after school I like I used to love going on my iPad and just watching car videos train videos and that's, that and that it's would come sad it's sad to hear yeah but uh, at the time it felt like it was the right progression into sort of teenagehood and leaving behind what I perceived at the time to be you know my my childhood hobby and you know I had this fast model railway that ended up being put on eBay and I didn't really sort of make it public that I was a railway enthusiast however you know cars are more universally appreciated So one thing we haven't spoken about at all is your headset. Where did this idea come about? Well, I wanted to firstly show people how the railway makes me feel. And I just thought, well, I can just kind of do a selfie and show people the train going by. And I didn't feel like I was in the moment when I was doing it. So I thought back to when I was younger and I was experimenting with my GoPro and stuff. I filmed my face whilst on the trampoline by sort of having a helmet camera sort of flipped around and then, <laughs> then when I was thinking about solutions to you know, filming my face whilst being in the moment I remembered this GoPro angle and, and then I experimented and the rest is history really I can't help but notice when you're talking I mean I, you have the world's largest smile but also I can oh, really thanks. see your genuine passion mm. I am sure you're tired of answering this question, but how do you cope with the backlash of it not being a genuine passion? Um, well, when, it, when these kind of allegations sort of were first arising of the train guy, Francis, not being sort of a real, real person or someone with, who, who's kind of faking their hobby... It was hurtful because I did have, you know, in putting myself out there and showing people my passion, you know, I'm, it, yeah, it was a it was a step forward for me, quite a few steps forward, and then for all of this to come sort of at me like a pack of dogs, it was a sad sad time because I'm not someone who likes sort of confrontation or negative situations and will do a lot to try and avoid them, so. You know, it was it was a difficult time, but you know, I addressed it with a video, just saying, "Well, you've seen pictures of me where you know I have a shaved head and wearing clothes that you don't associate with me now, but let me take you to that time, and I can show you exactly what my progression in life is from then to, to now." And with that, people saw that you know these allegations based on the fact that I had a different appearance a couple of years ago were actually just quite ridiculous. And didn't we all? I think that potentially the backlash is from the people who don't have the courage to, to take off the mask in the way that you have. Yeah, quite possibly. 
but nowadays, you know, like I still get people saying, oh, why don't people realise this guy's just an actor? Or why don't people realise this guy's a fraud kind of thing? I see it and I just think, well, I'm happy being myself, being a railway enthusiast. And I'm happy the fact that I can make so many people happy just by sharing my passion. And actually the, the energy that I'm seeing from my videos is massively positive and that's what I'm happy to focus on. I sense that it all makes you feel quite emotional. Yeah, I'm, I'm naturally a very emotional person. Mm. Both, you know, kind of expressing it in happiness in my videos and, you know, behind the cameras, sometimes totally the opposite. And I think, I think it's, it also makes makes people think when they see their videos, how is this guy so happy all the time? This can't be real. Mm. Well, I'm not happy all the time. I'm just showing the times when I am. Yeah. What do your coping methods look like? Going home, being with my mum and dad, stroking my cat Smudge, mm. being with my mum and dad's new dog called Wolfstan, who is very, very happy all the time. And it gets so excited that when he wiggles his tail, the axis of movement is actually the centre of his spine, not his tail. So he ends up being like a, a kind of a slinky where his tail is actually hitting himself in the face. And, you know, going back and being with that energy is very relaxing. And yeah. Takes me back to basics. Also, being with my girlfriend, relaxing with her, but just being with myself as well. I... I don't do it often enough, but just taking time to process and think and really uh, sort of meditate. Because a lot of the time my mind is going, oh, what about that idea? Oh, what's running here? What train's going on? Oh, you know, I want to do some research on this, like, random bridge. But that's that's a, a coping mechanism I'm still learning to really integrate into my life. Do you worry about the impact it has on the people around you as well? Well, I don't really feel like it's had a huge amount of an effect apart from on my parents because mm. they're the ones who are you know, caring for me the most and also my girlfriend too. And I think their kind of emotions are also tangled in it in one way or another, especially Amy, my girlfriend, because she, you know experiences going out with me and people bumping into me etc and she's known you for a long time as we'll come on to she's known you as luke so she's known you pre-tiktok sensation yeah and through it all yeah 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 she's she's been incredibly supportive yeah she she didn't when she was getting to know me she didn't know that i was going to make a tiktok account <laughs> so you know i i really I really thank her for being so supportive, really. Would you change it? I would not change it. But I think, you know, my when I set up my account, my original reasons for using the pseudonym Francis Bourgeois were to... I was basically applying for jobs in the engineering industry. So I wanted to have, like, a creative outlet that wasn't really going to be touched by my fears of future employers seeing my my videos you know 
I wanted to have my professional side kind of slightly separate. And also, I wanted to have kind of protection from people that know me and know me through school. Like, And in using that pseudonym, I, I was able to have that sort of protection. And essentially, the reasons for using it in that eventually became completely inept because the engineering company that I ended up working at, everyone knew about my videos and everyone at school had found out about them in one way or another. So in a way, the pseudonym and using a different name is like the purpose of it has become redundant. So if I were to go back and do it again with the knowledge of how things would progress, I wouldn't really feel as much of a need to use a pseudonym. However, I like the name. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and who knows, maybe it's had a an, an effect on how I've sort of developed that I ha- I'm not completely aware of. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't touch anything in in the process. The child you that had to wear a mask to a degree through your school years what would you say to that child you now trains are trains are awesome trains are cool and don't let anyone tell you otherwise and that's what makes you cool being different Mm. and having a unique hobby and actually whenever I meet someone who's at school who's a railway enthusiast just you know kind of a platform or wherever I'll say to them, you know, don't forget, you know, trains are cool and I know, you know, you might get hassle from school, etc. But please remember that. And people have said to me now, you know, because of your videos, people actually who once bullied me are now saying that my my passion is cool. And that that's really powerful for me because I'm helping someone in the position that I was once in. And yeah, I, I've even written it in my book, in the prologue. So this is the Attenborough Nature Reserve. Yeah. What does this place mean to you? Attenborough Nature Reserve, well, you can listen to the birds. You're a very senses-driven person, Mm. I've noticed, and you picked up on the geese flying over earlier and obviously now listening to the sound of the birds. What does it do for you? It makes me... It taps into my feelings. So... I can close my eyes now. And aside from that gorgeous straight six engine, <laughs> I can hear birds and stillness. And it, it makes me feel calm and happy and reminds me of being with my family, being with my friends. And when I was studying at uni, I'd come here every so often and I wouldn't really come here for the nature reserve side of things more to do with the fact that the railway runs through it but whilst waiting for the trains I it was very meditative because I could just hear the birds hear the geese in the water and wait for the trains to come but also there there are some nutty memories with this place my my friends and I were, were playing poker once not betting or anything we were just kind of playing and we stayed up rather late got to about four o'clock in the morning and I said I said oh guys well do you want to see the DB60 on the steel and they were like well my friends in my flat at the time weren't really 
that into the trains. But happily they obliged and we cycled out on our bikes and saw the Class 60, that was nice. And then we saw the sun was rising, we thought, well, we took our bikes safely to uh, Attenborough Nature Reserve, <laughs> where we uh, cycled until it was the sunrise, which was beautiful. And we sat there next to the railway line and watched the trains come in the morning. We were waving and getting tones, and it was brilliant. And we ended up, <laughs> all of us, just lying down on the tarmac, not in, not on a road or anything, but just like lying there. And I was just like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> then we went to McDonald's and got <laughs> breakfast, like Egg McMuffin, and it was just so nice. Wow, that's a fun experience. But this was after we'd finished our sort of exams and things, so yeah. we could afford to go to bed at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was a very, very happy memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What uh, what other things would you find that would give could potentially give you that same adrenaline rush as um, you get from the trains? Music. Okay. Live music. Okay. Any style in particular? Um, electronic music and just stuff that's for quite a lot of people very overwhelming and difficult to listen to. Electronic music gets me going the same way that a train does. I get goosebumps very easily. Yeah. And get the, yeah, like the yeah. rush. Yeah. And it happens the most with electronic music and the railway too. Like when I see a class 37 pulling in, I feel the the shivers like underneath my jacket and just like even even sometimes the thought of like a railway thing that's happened that's given me goosebumps gives me goosebumps. Wow. Like um <laughs> You have them right now. Kind of. I have goosebump envy. But it's um so I was thinking now of, uh, I was driving my Nissan Micra um, <laughs> just outside a place called Minforth in northwest Wales, where the road and the tracks run alongside each other. And I'd planned it so that I'd see the 37 and 97, get in my car, drive, oh. drive next to it. And I was driving and I looked briefly to my right and I saw one of the guys going like, yeah, nice. look at me. And they were like, they thrashed the engine. And I was like going, yeah, back. And like, it was, it was like that exchange of energy where he was just like, look at me going, oh. yeah. And I, oh, I, wow. after, afterwards, I, I, I very, very, very rarely get the feeling, but it's only actually happened, I can recall in this scenario that I've done twice, where my legs and arms are like totally like it's not goosebumps it's more like adrenaline buzzing yeah yeah like you need to run because there's a dinosaur chasing yeah. you kind of like electricity yeah. but it's like sustained and it's like the most amazing feeling of like <sighs> wow I can't really sort of liken it to anything really apart from potentially getting electrocuted <laughs> not 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 severely but, but positively but yeah yeah it's just like uh, uh, like an amazing sensation. You've spoken about music a little bit, but I know that music means an awful lot to you, doesn't it? So I had a very happy gig in my first year of uni. I went to see um, Channel One Sound System, um, which are these two awesome guys who uh, have had this um, sort of dub reggae orientated sound system for quite a while. And they've taken it, they take it around the world and it's this big sort of thumping, sort of heavy subwoofer system that is very enjoyable to listen to. It's real sort of music at its core, 
no kind of frills or unnecessary sort of lights or anything it's just the vinyl the sound system and a couple of effects and I saw that they were bringing their sound system to Nottingham I, I basically really sort of bigged it up to my friends for a couple of weeks I said we need to go managed to get about 12 people to come and the warm-up act was this um spoken word artist <laughs> like I appreciate spoken word but you know sometimes I find it just slightly awkward and that was kind of the case when we walked in I kind of felt responsible for the people who I'd brought along and I said look please stick around like they're not on yet and then uh I was at, I went to the loo and um I'd noticed it had gone quiet then I had them start and I was like yes brilliant okay they're on <laughs> the urinal that I was um, going to the loo in, in. engaging with was, <laughs> was started like rattling on the wall. Oh wow! It was going, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like all the little like lemon cube things were like moving around, and it was it was brilliant. I was like, okay, cool. Now we're in action. <laughs> and I, I I came outside, and then I saw my friends sort of coming away from the bar to the sound system. And it was like they weren't really saying anything, but they were all kind of really like bopping their heads and kind of like smiling and laughing. Hmm. And that's all I needed to see. Amazing. Do you think it's the bass that gets you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the, it. it's the whole spectrum. But yeah. Primarily the bass and the treble. The level crossing is going down. Come on. Oh, look how sweet that is. There's a, there's a kid and oh, his look. parents. Look. And they did a tone as well. Oh, what tone was that? <laughs> ah, yeah. Class 170. I think they did rear tones as well. That there, for him, could be a formative memory that gives yeah. him a passion for yeah. trains. So, how did you feel when the big fashion houses approached you and... Has it affected your love of style? Whilst I was at uni, I was a model, and well, it wasn't full time, but I did a couple of gigs here and there. Okay. And you know, getting approached um, by a high fashion brand, you know, it's, it's like the, you know, the the golden ticket essentially in the modelling industry, especially with you know, brands like Gucci and Dior, etc. So when it first came through, oh, yeah, Gucci would would like to um, work with you um, <laughs> it was it was like what <laughs> you know because it, uh, it had come from a completely different direction from you yeah. know, like approach via the mod it, it, the, it did go through the modelling agency but it wasn't so much of like a, a modelling gig per se I was part of the campaign's kind of story and uh, yeah, I guess it kind of helped that I had a modelling background. Yes, um, and very much a modelling frame. Mm, thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just a crazy kind of whirlwind. This this production that I was on. Do you have a good relationship with social media? Like, are you on it a lot anyway, regardless of your own presence and videos? Kind of. Most of my time on social media is consumed by me reading everything and looking at how people are engaging with my stuff. Mm -hmm. 
because although I'm you know totally organic with what I'm sort of putting out I like to see how how people are reacting to it but with that in mind I'm also very conscious of not getting too bogged down in in engineering my videos for for people to watch because there was a point where I felt like I had to do that in order to sort of keep on going and then I lost touch of my the the real sort of core of the passion so there was a bit of a full circle moment where I thought actually do you know what I'm just going to not think about how I'm phrasing the intro I'm just going to say what's on my mind and then just let whatever happens pan out and what, however I react to it be you know, the core of the video. And you know, happily, I now know that that is the ultimate formula because I'm happiest, because I'm not overthinking my passion and these situations that I love. And also people are getting the, you know, the genuine me in these moments. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the turning point was... I filmed a video at Milton uh, Hemel Hampstead and I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm about to see two rail tours crossing over at exactly the same point. Hmm. And I was dead excited about it. And I was on the wrong side of the platform and I thought, and then in the moment I was like, S-H-I-T, take the camera off the uh, lamp post that I'd mounted it onto. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to see it here. And usually if I'd had my kind of thinking about my video too much I think oh well that's ruined now like people are going to be uninterested in the fact that you know this has happened but I thought I'll just keep it rolling and I left it like the whole situation as part of the video yeah and and I was astounded by how well it did yeah and it's because I didn't think at all about I, I was just so in the moment yeah and that's it it's just passion and genuine kind of just, just just being in connection with what I love and being in connection with my feelings that's just the formula that, that works I'm sure can work for other video creators too so that house over there I lived in for two years and here's the university oh, lovely wow. green park and I'd walk slash cycle huh? along here I'd go up to the co-op on the corner to get uh, my little pasta pasta ingredient <laughs> um, and I'd play frisbee with my friends in the park there, we'd have some nice cold beers in the sun when all of the work's out the way and then we're going to take a left here. Oh, so we're actually going to be able to go past your old flat how exciting! Yeah. yeah and there's a Nissan Micra that's exactly like my Nissan Micra. Oh yes, what's the name of your Micra? Lucy Lucy, why is it called Lucy? because of the first two letters of the number plate. Oh. But it's very surreal to be here. I have happy memories being here. And me and my friends used to, in the evening, go, go in the garden, watch the planes come in to East Midlands Airport, because the flight path goes over the house. And there'd always be a 747 that would fly in in the evening from Cincinnati. Huh. And, and sometimes if we... Um, Sometimes if we had a bit more time on our hands, we'd go to the airport itself to to watch them come in. So, where are we right now? This is an industrial site in Nottingham where scrap metal is put in these wagons and then transported to places where they can be processed. 
I was just at the bridge there once and I was filming a scrap train come out but I noticed a girl behind me kind of standing there and I thought oh it's weird carried on filming and then she said excuse me do you make train videos and I was like yeah and then I, I suddenly twigged that she she said me and my boyfriend love watching your videos and it was the first time someone had said that to me and I was like completely in shock and she asked for a photo I would love to find that photo out there somewhere it was like a moment of realization that I'm not just kind of putting stuff onto the internet and then it sitting in isolation I mean it's obviously a really fond memory Mm. was or is fame important (laughs) I'd it's it's not the, the 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 thing that I value is when I can see how much someone's how how happy they are to see me or when they say how much my videos have helped them or mm. you know whether it be through lockdown or through school you know but and I can see the circle of energy come from my videos and then back to almost back to me and through their kind of face and that's what I value but when sometimes it can quite easily get very overwhelming having lots of people saying hello and asking for photos and there are times where I just would really rather not be recognised and the fame has I mean it doesn't feel like fame really it's just it's kind of feels like a bit of a glitch in the matrix you know because I, I go about my daily... I, I haven't changed my lifestyle whatsoever, apart from I take Amy out to nice restaurants and things like that every so often. And I think because I haven't changed my day-to-day, it does f- still feel weird when someone says hello and stops me in the street, but I'm slowly becoming used to it. But I think because I spend so much time in other people's minds thinking, oh, hope, what are they thinking? Are they OK? da 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 da, da. I still have that kind of preset in my brain, so I still treat people the same way. Yeah, I don't take it for granted, really. Mm. When I feel like I'm starting to fall into being used to the fame, I guess, Mm. then I'm plonked back into my my normal patterns with either something that happens or just my normal behaviour. You seem to have a lot of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. I think now I've sort of settled into it and understand the position I'm in, I can make my sort of my, my mind, which would usually have otherwise been channeled to engineering decisions, is now applying the same skills that I've learned through engineering to create solutions for, for what I'm doing with my work now. So, how was it having tripped down memory lane? been brilliant is it yeah it doesn't feel like you know a year and a half since I was last kind of living here Mm. and studying here but it feels like you know a lot more I think because of all the stuff that's happened in between I think it's nice that we've had a nice sunny day for it and it's really like I, I know the feeling of being in Nottingham it being a sunny day looking forward to seeing my friends in the afternoon after yeah, doing stuff during the day. Yeah, nice. Thank you for um, showing me the reins in the world of train spotting. We do, however, have one surprise up our sleeve. Oh, really? Yeah. Would you like to drive the Alpina? Yes, please. 
I'd love to. Okay. Has it been a good match for you, do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. We did well. Yeah, I, I think the quirky rarity of Alpinas is something that I really love and how it's not just a BMW M4 or, you know, it's, it's a real drivers and car enthusiasts car, you know? Yeah, agreed. All right. Oh. Ready? <laughs> Oh, it suits you. Thank you. Happy <laughs> <Lovely> days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's quite nice to be driven for once. Enjoy. Thank you. How does it feel? Great. It's, uh, I have to have a feel of it again, but it's nice. Smooth, that's yeah. the word. Yeah, it is. Considering it's a bit of a pocket rocket. Mm. Are you thinking of getting a car? So I've been browsing. Uh, I'm coming clean as an auto trader, regular browser <laughs> slash addict amongst um, well, auto traders, my, the one I go to the most. Oh, good. So I've, you know, BMW M3 46. I'm constantly checking for new adverts. You can really get excited about things because you can find a good deal, you know. So, we come to the end of our journey. Indeed. Almost. Have you enjoyed driving the Alpina? It's been a real treat. Just wish I could drive it back to London. Yeah. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? Thanks again. I've really enjoyed our chats. Yeah, I've, I've loved it. It's been really nice been lucky with the the cars on the road as well I've seen a nice variety yeah and thank you for the lovely chat I've really enjoyed it yeah me too but I'm taking us to Nottingham station yeah as there's a um, train coming through the station in a minute so I should have known there'd be some final train link yeah. what train is it then um it's a class 37 okay um 37175, which is on a UTU test train, stands for Ultrasonic Test Unit. And what makes that train special? Because it sounds fantastic. So you're excited again, I'm guessing. Mm. <laughs> I hope you get to shout, Hellraiser! Uh, Hellfire. Hellfire. Oh, okay. I hope you get to shout, Hellfire! He Although Hell Hellraiser would be good too. No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the American version that they're shouting about. <laughs> yeah. Hellraiser! <laughs> Darn, that steam train was Hellraiser. I feel like I've got a long way to go before I'm an official train spotter. The T-shirt just isn't enough, is it? No. <laughs> um, well, I guess in neutral now. Yeah. One final rev. Yeah, go on then. Hopefully I can get to drive an Alpina again in the future. Yeah, I hope so. Well... Thank you. Thank you, Luke, Francis. I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much to Francis Bourgeois for allowing me into his fascinating world. You can see exclusive footage of The Drive by heading to the Autotrader socials. Look at the episode page for links. You'll also be able to see the Alpina B4 that Francis absolutely loved. And if you're looking for a new vehicle, you can find your perfect match at autotrader.co.uk. This is a new show, and I'd love you to follow on your favourite podcast platform. Like what you hear? 
rate and review and make sure you tell your friends so you don't miss an episode. Show on the Road is a fresh air production for Auto Trader.